Hey, welcome to the Low Key Podcast. My name is Tim Malloy. I'm here as always with the Aaron Lanton coming from Tennessee. How's it going, people? And Keith. Keith Denny. I always feel weird saying my um, last name. And I just saw felt Aaron looking at me like, you better say your last name, boy. <laughs> like somebody dad. <laughs> I'm kind of envious. I'm kind of envious that you're in Texas because you get to vote in that Ted Cruz, uh, Beto, <laughs> Beto situation. That's an exciting election. Yeah, I bet. People really <laughs> seem to be pretty turned up about it, but I'm <laughs> He's like, I made up my mind long ago. That the best man win. <laughs> um, so yeah. this week we thought we would talk about the Connors, um, the new No Roseanne, Roseanne show about Roseanne's family after Roseanne is gone. Uh, the reason Roseanne is gone is her racist tweets about Valerie Jarrett that she did under the influence of Ambien, she says. Uh, and on the show, she has an even more serious issue with controlled substances. Um, her character dies of an opioid overdose, which is shocking and intense. And oh, takes spoiler a, alert. It's in the first two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> And it's, they think she died of a heart attack, and then we realize, like, by the first commercial that she died of an opioid overdose, which was, wow. What'd you guys think? And that was so on the nose. It was a little too meta for me, honestly, the first episode. What what made it meta? The, the opioid or just the fact that Roseanne's not on there? They had to explain why she's not there, so. Sure. Well, okay, there's a couple of things. One... Roseanne said Ambien is what made her do what she did. They use opioids in the episode. The whole time they're talking about Roseanne, the character in the Connors, it sounded like they're talking about Roseanne, the real person. Like, I couldn't escape that feeling while watching it. But hasn't that always low-key been that way, though? Yeah. Like, how do you differ? In, in shows like that, like, Roseanne and the character Roseanne are very similar. The same way as like Fresh Prince, Will Smith and the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or <laughs> it's pretty much like the same person. I get, I, okay, so that'd be like saying Martin. Yeah, Martin, know, same way. Th- um, I mean, but there are, there are, look, however you wanted to put that, she ain't die. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's alive. Like Technically, no. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw I, I didn't watch it I just saw this thing where she had done some story with Vice where and, and when I say she I mean Roseanne in real life had done a story with Vice where she really went out of her way to look like this she was just taking everything super hard like almost like she don't have some huge big house she was dressed in like almost like she went to you know the Goodwill before they came through with the cameras. Yeah. And they really made sure and she's sitting there smoking. She ain't got her hair done or nothing. She really made sure to get that vibe that like, you know, <laughs> she has suffered because yeah. of the liberals or something. I don't know. I don't really know how to put that. But like it I you know, it's it's whatever. I mean, I feel like everybody's playing a game of, you know, oh woe was us. Yeah. Beyond the, you know, meta part of it, I do think that Roseanne has been the kind of show in the past that has not shied away from 
difficult social issues. So I didn't feel like it was an inappropriate thing for this show. That is within the legacy of this franchise. Um, I just want to make a dumb joke that there's a Roseanne universe. Now I regret interrupting for such a stupid observation. Yes. No. (laughs) Oh, yes. From now on, we're going to say the Roseanne universe. Thank you so much for helping us. You know, the the Roseverse. I'm still I'm still intrigued by like how. A person can ruin their whole career from one tweet. Uh, Look, man, that was not a one tweet thing. It wasn't. I just saw the one. Man, she been tweeting bizarre shit for a decade. But this, the one that that seemingly got her fired from the show was the one about Valerie Jarrett, right? That's yeah. what brought people back to her feed to read through the whole thing. She had been doing like this QAnon shit and also tweeting stuff about she had dressed up as Hitler and had these you know, like she was near an oven and had some cookies, and I guess it was supposed to represent Jewish people. Ha ha, look at my joke. She's Jewish, so she was trying to say, it was trying to be like ironic, but yeah. Yes. Uh, look, man. That's, that's people a went, weird choice. That's so, so, like I said, that tweet made people for what. It, it, this is kind of how things happen. Somebody just snowballed. People finally went back and looked and were like, oh, wait a minute, this is kind of screwed up. Honestly, I feel like going back and trying to give her shit over the tweets before when you already gave her the show was kind of like whatever. It's I didn't. So- I don't. I don't really feel like she should have lost the show over that. Honestly, like she she been acting dumb. So if you're gonna give her the show, let her keep it. Like it's too late. You've already said as a network where you sit on this to me. Yeah, you would have let her keep the show. <clears throat> well, I'm gonna, when I'm gonna get rid of her for she. She's not. This wasn't new stuff. This this wasn't... We're not uncovering documents or, like, audio. This ain't like a Donald Sterling situation. We didn't know he said these things. These are the things were all said publicly. It's more Megyn Kelly where she said something dubious before and then she said something else kind of in character with what she said before. This is like a weird version of the James Gunn thing where, like... Huh. Yeah, like, the tweets been out there. Somebody, the The right person happened to complain about it and be a little louder about it and for some reason at that particular time people got more upset about it i mean i feel like abc had already look this this is not like abc uh the show hadn't even completed a full season the reboot had not completed a full season they like and she had done those tweets for example like with the the you know, dressing up as Hitler and doing the, the oven stuff and doing the QAnon and all these like 4chan far right that had been happening for years on her feed. Really, and you know, and <laughs> you know what's even funnier about it to me though is that this the joke they not even remotely funny. You know, you like, mean the tweets or the show? The tweets, like. The one that she had about Valerie Jarrett, she said Muslim Brotherhood and Planet of the Apes have a baby. It's not... I'm, I'm not saying that we should just all laugh at racist jokes, but I've heard some racial... You know, you hear racist jokes sometimes that might make you be like, hmm, you know, but that was just... It was just fucking terrible, and it don't make any sense. And... Well, let me see how I can say this. Um... Do you guys think that every time that a a white person makes a joke and it's directed towards an African-American person, 
and in some way connected to an ape or a monkey that that's that they're that's that they're actually being racist per se or that's jokes that they will also say towards other white people whoa 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 wait 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 you you all right so the way you just you just frame that is kind of kind of weird because you just said actually, like like what what is, what does the audience have to do with whether or not it, I'm not I'm not like coming at you when I say this but like what does the audience have to do with whether or not it's racist? Well, you see what I mean? Like, well, no, what I'm saying not the audience but who they're directing it to. Like for example. I'm not sure. I've never heard anybody talk like this, but do other white people call each other monkeys or apes? There's such there's so much like loaded weird racial stuff in the whole. We talked about this last week with with man ape with the the monkey insult that I would steer well clear of it. Um, I think you could accidentally say a lot of things and not realize the racial connotation of it, um, but. Man, that's like a that's like a big minefield that has a sign on it that says minefield, and you're but, just but, like stumbling in there. Keith, this is made me laugh. You all right? The way you started framing, you were like, all right, because I thought you were just gonna say something like, "Can a white person tell a joke about some racist to people of color?" Instead, you went to, "Can a white person tell a joke about black people with their monkeys where it's not racist?" And I'm like, now, damn, that, like that's. I, I think I I did frame it incorrectly. Yeah, I was like that. That's... What I'm trying to say is that <laughs> because because stuff like that kind of comes up a lot, like this monkey ape shit, and it makes me think like, okay, it's either these people really are racist and ignorant as hell, or they just plain out ignorant. Like, sort of like it might be something that they might say amongst each other, and it's just like, okay, that's a joke, that's an insult. But of course, if you say it to somebody else like us, like you said to an African-American like myself, it's going to be extremely offensive. It's no, it's no longer just tell No, nah, but like, but that's somebody who, who's <laughs> being a provocateur and they know they are, and then they want to fake the funk like they don't know what just happened. Well, like, Roseanne, like playing Roseanne, the said, Roseanne said she thought Valerie Jarrett was white when she said that, but I can't believe we're still talking about this thing from six months ago. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, like, to me, it's not, it, first off, it's not particularly important. I don't, I just so like I said, my opinion on that. She, she lost the show. I mean, given that they had already made their bed with Roseanne for what, like you already shown me how you feel about it. Like I'm not really tripping that hard. Like it's and when, and when I say I'm not tripping about it, I just mean more like y- you have already demonstrated your wh- whatever ethics you had towards this. You've demonstrated them, and the applied pressure doesn't make me feel like you feel differently about it. It's just there's so many people on your ass about it. You got to have some sort of reaction. Like, and so their thing is to get the heat off instead of just kind of riding away. If they had just rolled away, wouldn't you I mean like the ratings weren't finna go nowhere. The world wasn't really finna change a whole lot about how they approach this stuff. And I don't know that the Connors is going to, well, okay, let me, let me restate this. Excuse me. Uh, the Roseanne universe <laughs> is gonna be better without Roseanne. I just I don't know that. And honestly, when it comes down to the conversation we've had many times on this podcast, it was like separating the artist from the art. I mean, you know, 
am I supposed to connect that character with the person outside of the show? I don't know. Yeah. What I am. Um, I always felt like she was kind of the weak spot of Roseanne. Not not the old seasons, but the new season. Like she seemed a little bit slow, like a step behind everybody else. Because mm-hmm. Darlene, Melissa Gilbert is like insane on that show. She's actually really, truly good. And mm-hmm. John Goodman is always good. Like all the rest of the cast is doing a really good job. And she seemed to be a little bit like slightly behind the beat. I don't know why. Um and I think it's actually sharper without her. Like it's kind of they kind of get the best of both worlds because they get to talk about her, but they don't actually have to work her into everything. The times mm-hmm. I thought she was best was when she was okay. Everyone get ready to get mad at me. Was when she was defending Trump and she like definitely had some fire and some passion in what she was saying. Not because I agreed with because what she, she was saying, meant it, <laughs> but because like you could see that she was sparked and she was into it and she like seemed like she was alive and in the moment. And I'd also so- never seen that on TV before. I actually hadn't even seen the the I watched the Connors the first two episodes. I have not seen any of the reboot. I I the show for me was a Nick at Night show. Uh huh. I appreciated its legacy cuz you know yeah, I remember like I'm, you know, when that show was out, I'm I'm pretty young. So like I grew up watching it later understanding some of its context, but that would be true for other shows too, like whether we're talking about the Jeffersons or um, good times, or I mean, like those shows are older, but you know, these Nick and Night shows that would come on, uh, you know, uh, Mick and Manny, Three's Company, like all kind of stuff like that, right? So they, they would come on there, and you know, when you're really young, you don't really get them, and as you get older, you understand the context of how some of those things function. And I haven't really watched Roseanne as an adult the same way, um, just because it hasn't been on, it's just what happened as I've been an adult. Um, just like, you know, you'd watch the Cosby show. and But the thing is, that show, it has a lot of different things it's doing, too. I think what's really important about, you know, Roseanne as a figure in the show is that she was the person who kind of set the tone. And I mean, in the, in the legacy uh, universe, <laughs> she was the person who set the tone as far as, you know, the fact that we're going to be. Um, we are who we are. We're honest about who we are, and not necessarily rude about. Like we, we might be blunt, but like we are, you know, a family going to stick together, and we're not going to be able to just kind of thrust ourselves into the world as middle class people because we are not that. We are always going to have a situation where we gotta really, um, just kind of work through it and have hardships that aren't like what you normally see on TV. You know, we are the normal America. We are the everyday American who can't go on vacation at, at, you know, at random. We don't have a 401k just sitting there. Like, you know, we're, we're more like the everyday person. And, and just to kind of, uh, uh, situate that I can't, this is actually from government stats. I really wish I'm gonna try to find this link before we, we, um, actually put the episode up, but, According to federal statistics, less than 50 percent. Well, excuse me, excuse me, about 50 percent of people in this country right now make less than fifty thousand dollars. Who work. Which is wild. Well, we see all these stats. We did a episode of my other podcast, Shoot This Now, where we talked about this. Um, it's the episode about the 30 year old millennial, if anybody wants to check it out. 
mm-hmm. there's an asset class and then there's a working class who like the asset class owns property, they own stocks, they own a lot of like wealth that just kind of sits there and accumulates more wealth. And when we say that, you know, the the amount of wealth in America is going up now, it's people who have wealth are getting more wealth. It's not like the wealth is getting more distributed. And so I think it's really valuable to show the actual working class people who actually are out working, doing jobs and finding jobs like we see on the Connors, portrayed on television and portrayed realistically. Like I think that's a really good thing about that show, that they actually talk about jobs and money and real life that you don't okay. really see on like a so show that's focused on dating. Let me ask you both a question then about these two episodes. I don't disagree with what you said, but is this show actually doing that? Um, I, I thought so. I mean, I like the stuff about, um, Becky trying to find a job and getting a job with her dad and not being able to hold down that job necessarily because she's starting to get a drinking problem. Um, that felt pretty authentic to me. I mean, I don't know. I, my wife's whole family, her dad was a contractor. There's a lot of like electricians. There's a lot of people who like are hanging drywall or giving drywall jobs to somebody else. And yeah, that felt that felt pretty accurate to me. I should ask her. Mm. What What do you think, Keith? <clears throat> I think it did too. I mean, um, some of it I don't know in particular, like how certain people live. To be completely honest with you, um, in certain areas of the United States, but um, but I, I always felt that way about Roseanne in general. There was a certain realism and authenticity that went along with it but one of the first things that kind of stood out to me and it was kind of small but I was like damn these people been living in the same house for years like they grew up in that house like I've never so that that stuck that stuck out to me and because like I said I when that show was on I was really young I've, I've grown up watching the Roseanne universe but it was jarring to watch that in a way because I was like, damn. I mean, if I were in this situation now, like I'd I'd be like, wow, I haven't progressed. Like, I mean, like in real life, if that had happened. Like if, if I was watching Roseanne, I was still sitting in the same room watching Roseanne, and it's 30 years later. I'd be like, oh my God. But, but at the same time, is that necessarily a sign of not progressing or just enjoying that particular life? Well, I don't even know if it's about... Look, I think one thing that, that typically is true... So everybody wants to progress. And I think whether or not you're part of the asset class, uh, as Tim put it, or the working class that happens not to um, have those luxuries, one of the the things that 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 happens is you know i mean it's just like every human being like you wonder if you're stagnant you wonder if you're growing you wonder if you know like what's the next step for you like what is success like what how do you measure and when i say success i don't mean like wealth and all that but like what what centered you like what makes you feel like you are you know kind of not in a state of like not a state of nirvana, but like what puts you in a place where you feel like you are where you want to be? Yep. Yeah. The thing about that show, you have like three or four generations living under one roof. And that seems that seems really real to me. And that feels really It is four not, generations. 
Yeah, and they don't represent that on a lot of TV shows. I mean, you don't see people who live with their... It's like when you're watching TV and you just start calculating, you're like, how do those people have like that house in that neighborhood with that much square footage, with that much... With it's always clean and they have three kids and whatever, they have like pretty normal <laughs> jobs. I mean, you just see like... I mean, Friends is the classic example where they live in this like amazing apartment and they have just like completely normal jobs and it's just totally fake. Like Rosanna feels Dude, pretty, that, it's just bogus. New York is so every New York movie pisses me off. Cause it'd be people like, I'm an assistant living in, in Williamsburg. You're like, what the fuck? Get out of here. You know how much a Williamsburg apartment is? Yeah. Anyway, that's um, a whole nother thing. But I guess it, you know, it's it's a question of authenticity. Like what what do we believe? Is something that makes up the real America. So it's like, you know, is this show the the one thing I am curious about? Like, I don't. It's hard for me to go back and remember how Roseanne was at its roots. I mean, the country's changed, so the way the things that that are topical uh, change, right? So I'm not a you know at all against this idea that the Connors uh, grapples with drug addiction and alcohol addiction um it is kind of interesting that they brought in i don't remember the actress's name but in episode two of the Connors, like it her name is blue juliet lewis plays blue yes juliet yes. lewis plays blue and she's the one who says yeah it's okay to have sex with this guy when you're 16 it's still really wearing his politics on the sleeve in a really interesting way because it's like, look at this liberal person who doesn't believe in structure or, you know, whatever. And they, and they tell this young teenager it's okay to give up their virginity. And it's like, well, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of straightforward. Speaking of that um, kind of like liberal and Republican di- dynamic, what do y'all think about even how their response is to the, is that their grandson, the homosexual boy, or maybe homosexual? Who he's, he's definitely gay. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, like, is he is he gay or he just trying to figure himself out? I couldn't really figure that. And he dresses up like a girl too. I think he's so, I think he's gay in the sense that he um he's definitely attracted to these boys at his school and he has that explicit conversation with Dan in yeah. I think the second episode where he says, I like these two different I want to sit with two different boys at my school. Yeah. And it's funny, when they first mentioned that the character lost their virginity, I thought they were talking about the little boy, and I, like, gasped. I was like, oh, my God, they're going there with this, like, kid Oh, my like God. 12? Dude. I was freaking out. And then I was like, oh, 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 they're talking about the 16-year-old girl. Wait That's a minute, crazy. wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> I, I'm, I know bullshit. Okay. Y'all, I forgot that was a boy. You thought it was a girl? I forgot. Yes, yeah, a whole, it's a, and, and, and wait, 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 you thought, you thought he was a girl? Yeah, I, I did for a second too. I was watching it with my little sister, and I had I was kind of questioning it. Yo, it's a boy, and yo, allowing him to like be who he is. And so, this is the thing. I'm not saying that Republican or conservative households aren't like that, but that does seem a little far fetched for them to be so open towards that. Not only just the fact of him being gay, but Dressing up like a girl. Or, yeah, they, they hit it pretty hard. They like they're not subtle about it, um, and they kind of play into some stereotypes with it too. 
Um, I guess what's good about it is that they they do have like an interesting thing going on with him and Dan, where Dan is definitely conservative and probably not. This probably wasn't his first choice, but Dan is doing a good job um, accepting him and dealing with it and sort of giving him advice even by the end of that episode. So I think it's cool that Dan has like an arc and a pretty believable one too. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think about my grandparents, um, like dealing with dealing with people in our family, and they've had like a similar situation where they're like their first reaction is like, okay, this isn't happening, and then they're sort of slowly like, okay, this is what I need to do. I need to just be civil and be cool, and gradually they just forget and don't care. Mm. I'm that I'm felt, still in shock. That felt pretty. Really I forgot. <laughs> I forgot. He's still shocked on the fact that it's a boy. Damn. How did, you, how did you not think he was a boy? He's definitely a boy. <laughs> but he, he really doesn't look that much like a boy, though. Because And I, I think that's what, what threw me off is, like, he was so androgynous looking to a point where it's like, is yeah, that the androgynous? Uh, to the point where it's like, I, I was not sure. Um, that's I, wild. Well, are they are they going a little overboard with that with with how he looks? I guess in a sense, because it's one thing for him to be gay; it's another thing for him to literally look like a girl. It was almost like when you watch an anime character and you're not sure if it's a, if it's a boy or a girl. Oh, can I can I read something real quick? Please. This is an Entertainment Weekly interview with Sarah Gilbert. Uh, she's one of the she's the executive producer as well as playing Darlene, and EW mm. just asked does Mark see himself as a girl? And Sarah Gilbert said, he doesn't. That's something that got on, out in the press that's not true. He's not a transgender character. He's a little boy. He's based on a few kids in my life that are boys who dress in more traditionally feminine clothing. He's too young to be gay and he doesn't identify as transgender, but he just likes wearing that kind of clothing and that's where he is at this point in his life. Let's go back to the opioid stuff for a, a little bit more. Um, how, did, how did you guys think that was handled in, in the pilot episode for the Connors? I thought it was really good. Um, I like that someone on a, you know, eight o'clock primetime show is talking a sitcom, no less, is talking about the opioid epidemic, opioid epidemic, which is horrible, and which is is no one talking about it on TV. I just don't know. I don't feel like it gets this kind of level of attention and this kind of real world portrayal that felt very authentic to me. Um, I read a good article. The New York Times Magazine does like a profile of this street on Philadelphia that they call the uh, Walmart of heroin because it's just a complete mm-hmm. open-air market for, for heroin. And almost everybody who's doing the heroin started off with prescription drugs, uh, whether they were at war and they got injured or they were like injured on the job and they got prescription drugs. And then from there, they slip into heroin because heroin is cheaper. And that's really accurate and a, a massive, massive problem that anything they do to get attention or get people thinking about it, I think is a good thing. So... I felt like that was a really strong and really excellent part of the show. Um, and I was happy to see it. It was weird because it felt like ex- Keith brought up the laugh track last episode and not liking laugh mm. tracks. Like the laugh track was acute this time because if it hadn't had a laugh track, it would have been like a topical indie movie. <laughs> yeah, like the end of the first act where uh, she's like, man, that was the only thing in mom's closet I wanted. Yeah, yeah. you know what's funny about the laugh track on this one? I honestly don't notice it as much. Well, because so, it's not—it's not acting like a Disney show or or freaking uh, 
Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I said that's it. what it is. It's just it just feels more natural to the point that I don't even notice the laugh track. So I still hate them, but if you can make a good enough show to where I don't notice them, you, you did a pretty good job on that. I think it's about the writing, like, and, yeah. and, and also how the the actors really work with the the material to so it doesn't feel like looks like this when when the laugh track comes they actually told something that's supposed to be a joke i I didn't actually think all of them sold very well but overall i thought it was interesting i think you know one thing that's really weird like jackie used to be my favorite character and she's just so weird to me now she was always kind of weird though yeah but like she just feels i mean this makes sense i mean these characters are different people Right. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> that's not what I mean was like, she seems even more. Yeah, and I guess you got to kind of see how this, this uh, develops as they move away from Roseanne's passing in the show. Um, uh, it just seems more wiry gonna... than usual. Yeah, I don't know how they're going to keep her on the show. It's going to be tough because she doesn't live there, you know? And yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. Lori Metcalf is a beast. They should keep her around. She's awesome. But, um, yeah, I don't know how they're going to do it. Unless there's anybody, like, shipping her and Dan. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Sorry. I I do feel like some characters kind of just don't get attention to where they are, too, though, and it's kind of unfortunate. Like, DJ is just basically there. He always been basically there, though, right? That's true. (laughs) They even joke joke about it how he's overshadowed by his two sisters. Exactly. I don't know. It, I don't know. It's just, I, I want a DJ episode, man. Like, <laughs> it's like, I, it's like, why is DJ even here? Like, I don't even, like, why even have him present? Like, I, I just, I need DJ to be doing something outside of just being a goofball and, like, basically a prop on the set. Like, there's that moment where, I think we'll really encapsulate this for me when, um, Becky comes in and she's like, hey, soundtrack or whatever. I forgot what they were talking about. She hands him something. He's like, oh, what's this? And then she talks to Dan and she's like, yeah, so I'm trying to get my act together. I'm going to try to stop drinking, blah, 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 blah. And then the scene is, he's like, yeah, this is really good. And I'm like, damn, he's really just a prop. <laughs> or even like before that, he used to be like, hey, the couch is wet. Yeah. I tried to sit on the couch. The couch is wet. It's like, damn, like, do you have anything to do? By the way, the like thirty year old couch is like the best touch on the show because like a couch is yeah. something you never get rid of. Like once you got it in your house, like the fact that you know the fact that they have that same matching couch with that old old like eighties almost seventies pattern, I thought was a really good touch. Like you could tell that couch has been there. Yeah, it's a more interesting character than DJ though. Uh, Damn. <laughs> Damn! Wow, I, I feel like that should be the name of the episode. The couch is a more interesting character than DJ. Yeah, look, that, that's what I'm saying. The couch is actually a character where he's the prop. There it is. We heard it here first. Do you think oh. it was a good idea to bring the show back? What the Connors or the Roseanne reboot? Both. Hmm. I actually, when I first heard that they was rebooting Roseanne, I was actually excited about it. And even when they were talking about the 
you know, the Trump supporter stuff. I was like, oh, this would be interesting, you know, just a, you know, a whole different take and putting them in this in a more, you know, in today's setting and see how those characters will respond to things now. Um, so I was excited about it, even though it, it, it didn't last very long. It's like yeah. you blink, miss it. But um, I think it's cool that they started off with um, the Connors. I didn't know how they were going to fit in a story without having Roseanne in it. Like, I was like, what, what they, was she going to go on a vacation or something? But, yeah, let's kill off. I will say, the, I was more curious about people's response to it than I was excited for it to come back. Like, there was this, this uh, review I read, because like I said, I didn't actually watch any of the rebooted Roseanne uh, episodes, but there was this part where they were talking about, look at Roseanne talking about uh, oh god! Like one episode was like a some about a package that a neighbor had, and they thought that there was a bomb in it because the the package was either to a Muslim neighbor or some weird like that. And I was like, wait a minute, this plot was just done a year ago on the Gerard Carmichael show, mm. where the black family was accusing the Muslim neighbors of having a bomb in a package. And then, you know, of course, the Muslim neighbors come over and they have to, you know, eat eat crow, essentially. Um, and I was like, eh. I was like, if it's not going to do anything that ain't, that ain't already kind of been done recently on stuff, like, I, like, I'm not super crazy to get into it. And as I was about to just try it, the show got canceled. So I was like, oh, I guess I got to sweat it. And then the comments came. I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll figure <laughs> that. Yeah. I don't I mean, for me... I had already part of the reason I wasn't super excited is because Roseanne being who she is, I've been very sour on her. I've been it's for me. Um, I recognize her as a person more so than that character, because I mean, that's who I've seen her as most recently in my adult life. Um, and, and so that's how I see it. Like for me, you know how some people, they see Bill Cosby as Mr. Huxtable. Yeah. She had been so far away from Roseanne that I just saw her as like, you know, the celebrity Roseanne, not the TV show Roseanne. And I and I've been a long way from seeing Bill Cosby as Huxtable. I don't even know. I can't believe people even still bring that up. It just seems weird to me. It was a long, long time ago. More than two decades ago now. Yeah. Some people just don't to that though. I still see Jamal White as Steve Urkel, though. I, I can't get rid of that. I got to interview him, and he is no longer Urkel. He was very clear about that. He's a really super nice dude, too. I said Jamal Jaleel. Shit, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. He was super, super nice. And he said he really wanted to be on Breaking Bad. What? Yeah. To do what? Me. Anything. He's like, I love that show. That's what I really want to do. Oh, my How God. How good would that have been? You, you, you've... Man, uh, can can we like uh, 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 oh my God, what, what's his name? Peter, um, Peter, sh- Peter Gould, Vince Gilligan. Yeah. Can, can we them? like, can we put out like a bat signal to Jaleel White and and have him like hook up? Because that would be ridiculous. I mean, yeah. You revive his whole career. I, I actually really like him as an actor, and actually, the thing I know him for more than Steve Urkel, funny enough, is being the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog. Yeah, I thought I was just was thinking it? about that. Yeah, he played the voice of Sonic the Hedgehog in the um two of the animated series. Oh, uh, that's that's, uh, that's the only Sonic voice I trust, man. The only one. I, anybody 
even if they made a movie right now, I think they need to have Jaleel White play Sonic. I mean, or they don't need to do the damn movie. How about that? Don't do the movie if he can't do the voice. I'm bored that shit. <laughs> anyway, so we. I'm sorry, Tim. Please, T, please tell us what you thought of Roseanne coming back. I'm sorry, we going on Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, it's okay. Um, I'm glad it's back. I think the Connors is a pretty good show. Um, Roseanne, I was interested in it just to kind of hear her side, even though I didn't, you know, like everything she said. Um, I like hearing. I like hearing different sides. I like hearing things from that are further left than me. I like hearing things that are further right than me. I like hearing things that are more in the middle than me and just getting the best unadulterated view of that view to understand it, whether or not I agree with it. And I thought she did a pretty good job of expressing like a non, I think on television, she did a good job of making her non-racist case for Trump. um, At least in the ones that I saw in real life, she did not do a good job of making a non-racist case for Trump. That's just why. I mean, like the stuff she was, <laughs> man, the stuff she was very firming about believing in. It, it was just like, I mean, just straight conspiracy stuff. It was disappointing, and not because I need my celebrity, the people who I watch as celebrities, to be like these more people. But it was just like this is nonsense. What you're like sharing. So. Yeah, I, I just feel like part of the job of getting paid millions and millions of dollars, whoever you are, is just don't cross certain lines. Like, there's just certain things that seem really like an easy situation to avoid. Just don't walk into those situations. Like, I, I mean, yeah, if it's that serious, just just like have people who handle your accounts for social media. Like, don't make it that crucial. Yeah, and yeah. I don't mean people can't speak out politically, but I mean. It's just like insulting large groups of people. That's easy to not do. Yeah. But Tim, they have opinions. They they can't hold them in. <laughs> and then you, then you have to dress like a, a person who don't have money to get sympathy from people. Yeah. yeah so don't, that'll get them on your side. Almost anybody who is losing one of these big jobs over something like that, they are doing totally fine money-wise. Yeah. And that's not everything. That's certainly not everything. I mean, I, I will say I, I do feel Excellent. like... What was that? I was going to say it kills that reputation, though. Yeah. I mean, it can't. I, I feel like she, she came at things from an honest place, and that's great. Like, I, I'm not going to tell people not to do that, but... You know, I'm only mentioning this. I do not want to have a conversation about this dude. I'm only bringing this up in in the context of what we're discussing. I do not want to veer all the way over there. But um, Kanye West over the weekend decided he was going to start um, endorsing this movement called Blexit, which is like Brexit, but for African-Americans leaving the Democratic Party. And his logic a lot of times is on that kind of stuff like, well, look how we, you know, the Republicans used to be, well, black people used to vote for the only Republicans and now they don't vote for Democrats. And it's like, you know, and it's like, explain that. And it's like, people have, bro, read a book. Like, come on. Like, it's been in documentaries, all kind of stuff. Like, and the sort of things that Roseanne felt like she was bringing to light, it was like, these things have explanation. Like, and, and, and it's, you know, 
it, I don't know. It's just interesting how we've become so polarized that people don't see the value in saying that maybe what they really, really believe in at this moment could be, you know, if not uh, just seen and, you know, somehow from the wrong lens, but it could just be straight up wrong. Like, what's wrong with that? I don't, I don't understand why that means you have to dig in deeper. And, you know, I, I hate that we didn't get to see Roseanne really, really create the art and, and reboot the universe in such a way where she got to continue to show us a way to understand, you know, the other side, so to speak, in a way where um, it didn't come off so polarized. I, you know, I do think there's something very valuable in that, and I, and I hate that we don't have that view on on television. We don't, we didn't have it before, and, and now it's just not present. And I, I do think we need those sorts of creative voices to give that balance. We don't have that right now, you know. I think you just build up a lot of resentment when you never hear from one side. And you don't have to agree with that side, but you have to present both sides or else people who are not getting heard are going to be really frustrated, whatever side it is. Exactly. And they're going to express themselves in really destructive and stupid ways. Again, whichever side it is, because they're human. If you feel like you're getting shut out, you're going to react. You're going to not just react, but overreact. Yeah. Exactly. Tends to be the case. Well, we've been going for a while. I feel like that's a good place maybe to wrap up. Um, man, that that was all over the place. I I feel good, you know. I'm glad we had the conversation. It's 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 a hard one, though. I mean, I really do respect the grind of Roseanne and what she's done creatively. I, you know, I I I think the Connors can can be a good show uh, overall once everything's said and done. But you know, I, I this is you hate to see this this go down the way it did, you know. Yeah. Right. So that said, uh, would you gentlemen like to close? Uh, any any last thoughts? Well, if you guys enjoyed this show, also check me and Aaron out on Meanwhile in the Multiverse. And also Tim Malloy has a podcast with Matt Donnelly. I hope I said his name right. Called Shoot This Now. So um, check those guys out also. Yeah, they're giving up Avengers secrets right now on Shoot This Now. I ain't going to ruin it, but... Uh... There is a a little Avengers, yeah. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. So um, definitely, you know, if you you went to some blockbuster Marvel stuff, uh, shoot this now. I got exactly what you're looking for right now. So definitely check them out. All right, perfect. So, hey, uh, everybody, thank you for making it this far. If you you did it, please uh, give us a review, five star it up. Um, Tell us what you like, what you didn't like, all that goodness. Um, You can reach us directly. Um, at no social media place. I'm just joking. We have no social media presence. Just you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is it is up in the reviews. That's how we'll see. You.